The following is a special presentation from Pastor Joanne Ramsey and Speak the Word Ministries. We trust God's Word will bless you as you listen to this message. Here's Pastor Joe. Just this past Friday morning after my prayer time, I happened to look at my Facebook, which I don't do very often, and this person was saying that he did not think that people would be able to go in person and vote this year. But when I saw this, I don't really know how to explain it, but something just rose up on the inside of me. And I said, you are a liar, Satan. You are a liar. You know, brothers and sisters, we must recognize and we must be aware that Satan is using these people to do his dirty work and he is speaking through them. You know, and I felt that the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit, was placing these words in my spirit to speak to you. And saints, I plead with you. I plead with all of you, all of you that's in here and all of you that are listening online this morning. I plead with you, please, please stop speaking death and begin to call those things that be not as though they are, according to Romans 4, 17. We have to. We really, we're going to have to. If we are to come out of this pandemic and get our lives back the way we want it, we're going to have to start speaking life and start and stop speaking the things that you're hearing and on the media you're going to have to speak what god's word tells us we're going to have to call it for what it is satan you are a liar you need to tell he you are a liar and we rebuke you and your and your evil lies in the name of jesus we cannot remain complacent any longer are you hearing me we cannot sit back and just put, let the devil run all over us and not make any effort to fight back. We are warriors. We are soldiers of the Most High God. We are warriors. We don't. We have been sitting back and just letting Him run all over us, and we can't do that anymore. If we do that, we'll never come out of this. We have to fight back. Saints, you're going to see later in this message in, in 1 Kings 22 how this lying spirit was on these prophets. And saints, you may not realize that, but there's still a lot of lying spirits out there today, and only the Holy Spirit can help us to recognize them. The title to my message today, as I said before, is From Your Lips to God's Ear. And I pray, I really pray that the praises is what He is hearing coming from your lips and not complaining like the Israelites. We have so much to be thankful for. Yes, it's been some of the things that have been imposed upon us have been inconvenient. And yes, we miss our families. Yes, we meet the gatherings. Yes, we, we miss going out and we miss our families. But we have still, we have it so good to compare to so many people. We have homes, we have food, we can talk on our phones, we can uh, get together to a certain uh, degree. So we still have so much to be thankful for. But let's keep in mind, saints, that when the Israelites, when the Israelites were complaining, God said he heard them. He said, I heard them. I heard you. He told Moses, he said, I told them, tell them I heard them and I will do for them what they say. So what do you want God to do for you? These are the things why he says to call those things that be not. Don't speak what we are experiencing, but speak what you want to experience because that's the only way it's going to take place. I'd like to begin this morning with James chapter 5, verse 16 in the New Living Bible. It says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The word says that the earnest prayer, and I put for emphasis on the, uh, emphasis on the earnest. He said the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. 
In verse 17, it says, Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky went, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Hallelujah. What am I saying? I am saying that our prayers are just as powerful as Elijah's prayers were. The Holy Spirit was upon Elijah. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He is our advocate. Saints, I know that we've all been going through a rough time over the past few weeks, a couple of months. And even before this terrible epidemic hit, some of you were going through a storm. You know, you were going through a storm before this ever happened. But, you know, even so, we must keep the right attitude during this storm. We will come out of this. And I repeat, we will come out of this and we will come out with a great testimony. We will have a great testimony. As a matter of fact, let me share this prayer with you that I prayed recently. I prayed, Father, in the natural, things aren't looking, aren't looking too good. It seems like the floodgates have been opened up and all hell has broke loose. But I shall not be afraid because according to your word in Isaiah 59, 19 and the New King James, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Hallelujah. And he hasn't forgotten any of those promises. He is the same God. I don't need to remind you, but I do remind you that he's the same God today, yesterday, and forevermore. He, has, he changes not, so he hasn't changed any of his promises. He hasn't changed anything. But brothers and sisters, think about this. Have you ever seen a boxing match or a wrestling match or any game along that line? And while you were watching that boxing match, you might have looked at that, you might have looked at it and you might have said, oh man, that fight was fixed. Have you ever, have you ever seen a game and you, and you couldn't help but think, you know, I, I, you know, I believe that fight was fixed, you know. And, and so you, you, you might say, well, you know, all you had to do was just touch him and he fell right over. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it may have been fixed, brothers and sisters. The fight could have been fixed. But think about this. Both men had to show up in the ring. Because if you don't get in the ring, the fight can't even be fixed. So you just forfeit the fight. And that is the problem with a lot of Christians. They don't even show up. Think about it. Even in the poll times, in election time. They don't even bother to show up. Get off their lazy butts. And go down there to help us. But you know... We have to realize that our fights are fixed. So we don't have to, sh- so, so, when, so when you don't show up, you forfeit the fight. It was already fixed in your favor. That our fights are fixed in our favor. Are you hearing me? According to Colossians 2.15, Jesus fought the battle for us and he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He made a public obstacle of them, triumphing over them in it. It says, praise God. One translation says, he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Our fights are fixed. All we have to do is just show up. You know, the Lord tells us in Ephesians 6.13 that after having done all this, he says, after having done all that you can do, he said, just stand. We have to stand before, and we have to stand before the battle, and we have to stand after the battle. There is never a time when God tells us to stop standing. He never tells us to run and hide. On the contrary, 
According to his word in Hebrews 10:38, he takes no pleasure when we draw back. I have, I have preached on that scripture many, many times lately because the Lord has never told us to quit. He's never said to us to sit down. He's never said to us to give up. Saints, we cannot miss what God says he will do for us while we're standing. Amen. As we're standing, God will use his strength. He will use his power to deliver us. But we must stand and we must stand strong. In Exodus 14, 13, it says, don't be afraid. He says, stand firm, stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. If we stand firm and watch the salvation of the Lord. And as I said before, we will come out of this and we're going to come out with a great testimony. And I want you to listen to this in Revelations 12, 11 in the Strong's Concordance. It said that they overcame him, talking about Satan, because of the blood of the Lamb, talking about Jesus. And because of the word of their testimony, they did not love their life, even when faced with death. Now, I want you to let's look at this verse again. It says they overcame by the blood. They overcame by the blood. That's what Jesus did. He did. That was his part. And the words of their testimony, that's what they did. So Jesus' part was he's overcome by the blood of the Lamb, which was Jesus. And we overcame by the words of our testimony. So really, in other words, there are two parts. that we, And so we have a part that we got to play to. It is, the word, it is the word of your testimony that allows you to overcome. Your testimony is a word spoken in faith. For instance, you might say, well, I will have a great testimony once I'm healed. But saints, your testimony is what you're saying right now. It's not after you're healed, but it's before you're healed. That's, that's your testimony. And what is your testimony? It should be, by his stripes I was healed. That's your testimony. Now, with that testimony, the blood of the lamb backs that up. He backs it up and he causes it to and causes you to be healed because he has something to work with. Amen. We have to give the Lord something to work with. We have to put him in remembrance of his word. Yes, God knows what he said. He wrote it. But he wants it won't he wants us to use our lips to give it back to him. Yes. Are you hearing me? Amen. The word of your testimony is not it's not what he's going to do. It's what he's already done. In other words, like I said, all of our fights are fixed. He overcame the enemy for us. He triumphed over him for us. And in other words, you're going to receive everything the same way that you received salvation. And that is by believing in your heart and speaking it out of your mouth. The Lord impressed upon me many years ago, Joe. He said, Joe... The way you're going to receive anything else is the way you receive salvation. And that's by believing it in your heart and speaking it out of your mouth. You, we have to give voice to it. We have to give voice to God's word. It's so important for us to give voice to God's word. Saints, God is very keen on testimonies. In Psalms 119, 129, he says, Your testimonies are wonderful. This was David talking. Therefore, my soul keeps them. In verse 157 in New King James, it said, David said, many are my persecutors and my enemies. He said, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. Talking about God. Today, many are our persecutors. Many are our enemies. But like David, we must continue to confess what God's word says about this situation. Yeah. We must put him for, he, he has to remain first in our lives. He has to be at the head of everything. What are testimonies? 
It is confessing and giving voice to the Word of God over your situation. It's, it's telling of God's goodness to you. It's declaring the works of the Lord. It's being a good witness for Him. Amen. The Lord has placed it in my spirit to talk to you about how the evil forces coming against us are increasing. They are increasing. This epidemic will be over, and it's going to be over soon. But it's the beginning of other things to come. You know, and I, I don't, I'm not going to preach on this now, but maybe sometime next week I might preach on this too. <laughs> but the Lord, in, in some parts of the Bible, and I was reading that uh, He actually calls certain things to happen just so they could uh, practice fighting. <laughs> he did. He said they, they didn't know how to fight. So he brought things upon them so they could learn how to fight. We've had things come against us, but we've never had anything in our lifetime or my lifetime come against us like this. But it's an opportunity for us to stand for the Lord and to stand strong and to fight our enemy and let him know who's boss. He has no control over us, but we continue to give him foothold. The Bible says don't give him no foothold. But we keep giving him a foothold at every turn. And, and, some, and, and I'm guilty of some of this myself. I don't stand up here and say I'm Mother Teresa because we're all human and we're going to do things. And, and then, of course, after we do it, you know, we repent and ask the Lord to forgive us. And he does because, you know, uh, anybody, he says anybody that re- compent, you know, repents with a contrite heart, he's going to forgive us. And he knows that we're just like dust, he said. You know, so he's going to forgive us. We're not perfect, but we need to learn how. We need to learn how to uh, practice. So I prayed as Paul did in Ephesians six nineteen. I pray that the utterance, the utterance may be given to me, Joanne, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am a servant and an ambassador. But I want you to know that you also, if you are a child of God, you are a servant of God and you are an ambassador. That it is, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I pray that I may proclaim it fiercely as I should. And I pray also that you may proclaim it fiercely as you should. God says we're all in a war and he wants you to be equipped to do battle so that you can come out victorious. Brothers and sisters, we cannot, and I repeat, we cannot win this battle with feel-good words, tickle-your-ear messages. We need fighting words. We need God's words. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5 through 5 in, the New, in the New King James says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Paul told Timothy, he said, Paul, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. He says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And Paul says in verse 3, he said, for the time will come. And it's here. It's been here. It didn't come with the plague. It came before this. Long before this. He said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears and they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside with fables. Mm -hmm. But verse 5 says, But you be watchful 
in all things, he says, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry, Paul told Timothy. And I might add this morning that we all have been given a destiny to fulfill, a work to be done by the Lord. You don't have to be a pastor in a pulpit or a worship leader or anything like that. All you have to do is be a, a, a child of the living God by accepting Him. You, he, God has given you a destiny to fulfill. He's given you something to do. I hear people a lot, you know, you know I, I really believe like I have a calling on my life, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Anything that serves man, He wants you to do. Anything that, uh, any place that you can be a servant for Him. Because see, we have to understand that we are His hands, we're His mouth. He works through us. So he needs, our, he needs us as a vessel, and we need to be willing vessels. And if we're, all he's looking for is a willing vessel. If you're a willing vessel, then he can work right through you. And we are willing vessels, but a lot of us are not willing vessels to the Most High God. We're willing vessels to the enemy. We let the enemy use us through the words that we speak and our actions and the things that we do. So you either go, you are a willing vessel, it just depends on who are you the willing vessel for? Who are you allowing to work through you? You might ask, well, Pastor Joe, what does a person with itching ears want to hear? Well, saints, without God's wisdom, we all want to hear what will foster our own self-interest, things that make us feel good about ourselves. We don't always welcome the truth. A good example of this is King Ahab, who wanted prophets to say what he wanted to hear, whether it was true or not. You know, we're getting so much of this in the media today from many different sources. In 1 Kings 22, King uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, Jehoshaphat had, of Judah had gone to visit with uh, Ahab, king of Israel. He had gone to visit him, and that was in chap uh, 1 Kings 22, chapter 1. But it says in verse 4, um, in 1 Kings, it says, that The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, will you go with me to fight for Ramon Gilead? Well, the, in the first chapter, in the first verse of that, you realize that, that he was, um, the Ahab, the king of uh, Israel, was looking at that, and then he was commenting, hey, you know, this land belongs to us, you know, why don't we go in there and take it? And so he was asking uh, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, he said, well, will you go with me and fight for Ramon Gilead? And Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, why, of course, he said, I'll go. You and I are as one, he says. My troops are your troops, and my horses, he says, are your horses. And verse 5 in the New Living Bible says, and then Jehoshaphat added, but first, let's find out what the Lord has to say. You know, how many times do we think we hear from the Lord, or, or maybe all of a sudden we get a bright idea? <laughs> I've had some bright ideas. <laughs> And how many times when I get those bright ideas that I stop and consult the Lord and say, Lord, was this idea from you? <laughs> Does it line up with your word? Is it going to help people? Is it going to glorify your name? You know, there are some questions that we can ask ourselves when we get these bright ideas, if, if it's really from the Lord, because if it is, then these, th these things are going to take place. You're going to glorify him by doing it and you're going to be a servant and ministering to other people, you're going to be doing good. It's, it's none of it is self by yourself. It's nothing about making a name for yourself. And it says that 
In other words, uh, Jehoshaphat wanted to hear, um, hear from the Lord before he did anything. So the Bible said that, says that Ahab, the king of Israel, gathered about 400 of his prophets, and he said to them, Shall I go up against Ramon Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? He was pr proposing this question to the 400 false prophets. <laughs> He gathered up, you know, we gather people around us that like to tell us what we like to hear about ourselves. <laughs> you know, feel good about ourselves. So all the prophets said, go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, hey, wait a minute. Is there still not a prophet of the Lord here that we should ask him the same question? We, we, we need to consult with the Lord. You know, it's kind of odd, you know, that they had, uh, King uh, Ahab gathered up 400 prophets. And then uh, Jehoshaphat said, well, isn't there one that was going to speak what the Lord has to say? I say that today and all that. Is there not one of you out there listening that knows one prophet that the Lord is speaking through? Just one. Yeah. There's more than, there is more than one true prophet out there. But find the one that's speaking through the Lord, speaking what God wants you to speak. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It says in verse 8, that the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is one more man who could consult the Lord for us. He says, but I hate him. He never prophets anything good but trouble for me. I don't want to hear anything he's got to say because everything he prophesies to me is trouble. So he said, so his name, and so he said, his name is Micaiah, son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat replied, that's not the way a king should talk. <laughs> he, said, he said, let's hear what he has to say. So the king sent for Micaiah, for, uh, Micaiah and it says that the messenger who was sent to Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourages the king. In other words, they have already spoken what the king wanted to hear. So I'm telling you before you get there that all 400 of us, well, he's outnumbered, 401. <laughs> he said, Now we've all spoken what encourages the king. So we want you to do the same thing. You know, sometimes... Brothers and sisters, we're going to be outnumbered. Most of the time you are going to be outnumbered. God will give you the strength and the courage to stand by yourself, to stand alone. Anyway, he said, so please let your words be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. And so Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that will I speak. And then in verse 15, it says, and then Micaiah came to Ahab the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramon Gilead or shall we refrain? That's what the king Ahab was asking Micaiah. And he answered him, well, go and prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the hands of the king. <laughs> so he was repeating what the 400 prophets said. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth? in the name of the Lord. We know from the rest of the story that all the prophets were false prophets and they lied to the king. They told him what he wanted to hear. 
They told him that he would win the battle. We don't need to be like Ahab. We should never surround ourselves with people who only tell you what you want to hear, or you may make it impossible to hear the truth and from, anyone, from anyone and even from God. Seek out people who will be honest with you. Then when they tell you the hard truth, accept it graciously. Be willing to accept the truth graciously. graciously. You know, there is constructive criticism and we need to accept it. As a matter of fact, I like asking people questions and sometimes they don't always give me the answer I want to hear. But I, if I'm asking that person, I'd never ask them questions if I didn't have confidence in their ability to answer the question in the first place. So when they answer me, I, I know that they're telling me the truth, even if it's something maybe I don't want to hear. You know, maybe if I have to change my whole sermon, you know. <laughs> so I need that. So Micaiah told Ahab in verse 17 that he saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no masters, master. Each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Didn't I tell you that? And then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. At verse 18, I saw, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramon Gilead? So one, spoke of the, so one spoke in this matter and another spoke in that matter. And then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord asked him, what way will you do that? The spirit said, I'll go out and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Saints, if you recall, Ahab wasn't, I didn't, we didn't get in. I didn't have time to teach on um, 1 Kings 21 and 22 and other parts of Kings. But we all know that Ahab was an evil wicked king who was married to Jezebel, who in chapter one had um, Naboth, you know, had him, you know, because he couldn't get the vineyard. He wanted, he wanted Naboth's vineyard, but he had the land. It's like the Lord had given the Israelites all these prop pieces of property. And, and so it belonged to them and they weren't supposed to give it away or get rid of it. It belonged to them. And so Naboth, Bob had, had this, um, uh, vineyard and the king could see it from his window, you know, so he, he wanted it. And so he went to him and told him he, he, he would give him another piece of land and he wanted that one to grow his garden in. But Nabob said, um, uh, uh, I finally got exactly how he worded this, but he said, anyway, uh, in the name of the Lord, that wouldn't be so. You know, he put the Lord's name, he said, there's no way that I'm going to do this. But Naboth, uh, but, um, so he wouldn't sell it, but the king got really upset and he goes back home, he goes back to the palace and he pouts and carries on because he wouldn't give him the land, you know, so he goes to bed that night like a kid that's gotten mad, you know, and, and turns his face to the wall and he won't eat any dinner. And so Jezebel said, well, what's the matter with you? You won't eat. And so he says, well, this is part of my sermon. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to give a little bit about Ahab. And so Jezebel said, um, 
he, he said, well, I wanted to get this uh, vineyard from uh, Nabob, and he wouldn't sell it to me. And, uh, and Jezebel said, well, aren't you the king of Israel? Get what you want. So Jezebel wrote a letter to the citizens of the town and, stamped, and sealed it with the king's seal, you know, and, and sent it to them and told them to hold a fast, make it very spiritual, very religious, hold a fast and have all the people to come in, but have two scoundrels to sit in front of him. Give, give Nabob a place of honor at the table, but put two scoundrels in front of him and accuse him of not, you know, of being disfaithful to the Lord. And then you take him out, and they took him out and stoned him. But, you know, he, he was already wicked, but when, if you read both these chapters, you'll find out that he was not one to repent about anything. He was evil. We also know if you read enough about it, he really, uh, Jezebel was really the one that sat on the throne. <laughs> she, 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 did the, she did the ruling, you know. But he was, he, was a, he was a wicked king who never listened to God and never repented for anything. I think at one time he did repent and was in sackcloth at one time. But that was before this. But, like, but, but kind of like King Saul, God placed a distressing spirit upon Saul too. So, you know, because I was kind of wondering, you know, about the, the Lord, you know, putting this um, lying spirit, you know, sending this lying spirit out uh, uh, to, on these 400 prophets. And so I was wondering, you know, the Lord, you know, he's honest. He doesn't do things like that. But he also, when um, it was because of the way he was behaving, and also uh, God had already prophesied that he was going to die anyway in the previous chapters. So he hadn't at, at this point, but he had already set that up. And, um, and so anyway, and, and King Saul did the same thing. And so the Lord pray, uh, placed on him a distressing spirit too. But saints, we still have a lot of lying prophets around today. They had them and they, then, they had them back then, and they've got them now. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail, so go out and do it. So Micaiah told the king that the Lord had put a... Well, Micaiah told the king. He said, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of all his prophets, all your prophets, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. But, of course, the king didn't believe Micaiah and had him put in jail. In verse 29, it says, So King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judea, uh, Judah um, led their armies against uh, Ramon Gilead. And I really find this kind of ironic that in verse 31, that the king of Aram, uh, Aram had issued these orders to his 32 chariot commanders and his orders were, attack only the king of Israel and don't bother anyone else. Isn't that awesome? That, don't you know that the Lord must have spoken to the king of Aram, Aram and said, don't, you know, the, the target was Ahab. And even though Jehoshaphat went out with them, they both got on their robes and they went out there in disguise and whatever. And they thought at first that Jehoshaphat was the king. But then when, he, when they went to shoot and they, he cried out, then they realized it wasn't him. And then, of course, an air, you know, they shot an arrow and it killed Ahab. But I thought that was awesome because as I was, I was looking at that where, and I just stuck that in. I felt like I needed to stick that in there because I feel like a lot of that's going on today. You know, where King Ahab of Israel 
uh, where he told him, uh, issued orders to just attack the king of Israel, not bother with anyone else. And, and I feel like that's what's happening to our president today. I feel like the enemy has gathered up in full force and they're attacking others, but the president is their aim. He, he is the ultimate target. It's not the other people around him that's the target. It, it's him to target. And so they're using all this other stuff in, to target our president. And that's when I was reading that. Uh, yesterday I was reading all that and I thought, well, gee, you know, that, you know, it just kind of rose up in me. And I said, that, that really is what they're doing to President Trump. You know, they have gathered, you know, gathered up around him and, and made him their target. And we know that's true because no matter what he says and what he does, it's always his fault. It's, <laughs> it's his fault. But as I said earlier, we know that Ahab was killed in battle because he chose to believe what he wanted to hear. Saints, sometimes we're all guilty of this. We even try to convince ourselves that the Lord spoke to us when he didn't. The enemy will deceive you if you let him, just like the king of Israel did, for he wasn't open to the truth. We have to be open to the truth. But my prayer is that we will not have itching ears when it comes to God's truth, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is only God's truth, his word, that we can do battle against the devil and win. And John 17, 17 said, his words, my words, they are truth. Are you hearing me? But the Lord has impressed upon me that some of you are stressed out with fear and worry, but we don't have to be. We don't have to be, for the Lord is here with us, and he's going to rescue us, and he wants us to win this battle. But we're going to have to learn how to stand, and we're going to have to take our positions and fight back. And the way, the way you're going to fight back is standing up for the truth. Find out the truth. If you don't know the truth, find out the truth and what's going on. Don't believe everything you see on TV. Don't believe everything you read in the newspapers. Get the truth. There are some out there that's halfway giving you the truth. Some of the stations, and I won't name them because I'm not familiar enough with the news stations to, to uh, credibly stand up here and speak because I don't watch the news. But I understand from a couple of people, there are some that's halfway <laughs> given the truth. You know, so don't and, and I would advise you uh, to watch as the least amount that you can. Yes. You know, so we're, we're so uh, I know that a lot of people are at home. They're having to work out of their homes. Um, they probably have more time to watch the news and listen to the news. But it's not good. It's not healthy for you. It's not good for your health. It's going to uh, cause stress and it's going to uh, cause fear and it's going to cause health issues that you didn't have before. So don't do it. Paul tells us in Ephesians verse 11, he said, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. And what are strategies? Saints, it's a plan of action that the devil has put together to destroy you. They are schemes sought out to deceive you. He is the chief deceiver. The word strategy is a military phrase. It is a term that comes from the Greek word strategia, meaning generalship. Cinnamon, synonym, it is a plan for military operations and movements during a war or battle or the deployment of troops. A soldier in battle is fully aware of who he is fighting and he knows his enemy's tactics. Saints, you have to know your enemy too. 
and be aware of the tactics of your enemy and know that your enemy's biggest tactic, in our case, is deception, which means the lie. Stand your ground. And how do you stand your ground? First of all, you need to know that the battleground for spiritual warfare is in your heart and in your mind. It's right between your ears. Really, that's where it is, right between your ears. Paul tells you in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, in the New Living Bible says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. We have to consult with God every day for guidance. And no one has more authority or ability than our Father to guide us in difficult situations. Spiritual battles take place as the enemy attacks you, attacks your thoughts about the truth of God and your relationship with God. This is how he does it. it this is how it takes place. In 2 Corinthians 10, uh, chapter 10, uh, verses 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. I'm sure that most of you are familiar with those verses. The strongholds that he's talking about are your thoughts and your imagination. Because he said to bring every thought into captivity, your imagination, anything any thought that you're having that does not line up with the God, uh, what the Word says, any imagination, any, any image that you get that does not line up with the Word, that's what you need to get rid of. Saints, this is where Satan always begins. He begins with a seed of some sort. It could be anything, whatever he thinks that you're going to buy into. Those seeds are thoughts. There have been a lot this going on, especially over the past two months, as I've said before, there are many lying spirits out there to deceive you, and they have been planting gardens, not seeds in somebody's mind, but gardens, fields, in our minds and in our homes. It's, it, it's, been, a, it's been going on to, mostly to deceive you. He's been planting a lot of seed that has brought about a lot of fear and stress that has put, put many in a state of panic. This fear uh, and stress is bringing on panic. The people are panicking. They, they're all seeds of deception. He doesn't just plant a seed in someone's mind and it comes up the next day. Most seeds need a processing time. He will sow one seed, and if that person accepts that one seed, then he will water it with a few more thoughts. If you take the first one, he'll give you another one until it becomes full-grown and he creates the damage that he wants. Saints, when this happens, you have to pull out your, pull out your sword and begin to swing it. You have to begin to speak fighting words, God's words, because they are your weapon. Are you hearing me? You know, I think about... You think about um, pulling up, um, getting rid of uh, thoughts and weeds, you, you can't just brush over them. It's like if you've got like, um, you've got to dig deep. Right. You've got to really dig deep into the Word. I mean, it, it puts me in remembrance of last fall when the uh, landscapers came to take a lot of stuff out of our front yard, and we had lots and lots of bamboo, and still next week we have some behind the guest house that they're going to be getting out. But they, they cut it and they dug fairly deep 
but they didn't dig deep enough. So because they didn't dig deep enough, you know, uh, I understand that bamboo is really hard to get rid of. You know, it just is stubborn. Well, the enemy has put thoughts in our minds sometimes that are stubborn, and you got to dig deep into the Word to get rid of them because, you know, he might tell you might be suffering with some sickness this morning, and he's telling you that it's never going to take place. You're never going to be healed. Or you might be suffering in your finances, and he says you ain't never going to overcome this. I mean, you're just going to have to declare bankruptcy. I mean, you know, when this is over, he said you're over. But, but that you're going to have to dig deep into the Word of God. And, and when, like I said, when they dug deep, it still, and even though they dug deep in there and, and um, put a plastic cover over it and then more soil before they planted the new plants, uh, we're constantly having to go back now with weed kill because it's coming back up between the new plants. So you got to get rid of it for good. And, and it's like I told Christine the other day, I said, when they come back next week, I want them to dig way down. You know, maybe if five, six feet down. You got to make sure that you get it all out. And, and this is true because you can go pop off a weed and next week it's right back up again. And this is the same way, brothers and sisters, it is about your thoughts that the enemy puts in our minds. We just kind of brush them out and say, well, I won't think about that. Or you might quote one scripture and think, oh, you know, I'll bring that thought into captivity. The word says bring every thought into captivity. So I'll bring that thought into captivity. I, you know, and I thank you, Lord, I, you know, so-and-so. You got to do more than that. Yes. You got to dig deep. And you got to do more than just trim the surface. Hallelujah. In closing, let me say this. According to John 16, 33, the Lord said, In this world you will have tribulation. He says, but take courage. He says, for I have overcome the world for you. Satan wants you out of circulation. He wants us out of circulation. He wants our presence out of circulation. He wants anybody that wants to do good for us out of circulation. And he wants to just flood this earth with his people so he can speak through them. But you know, if you think it's not really the people, it's the spirit. Yes. The lying spirit, the spirit of deception, they're all spirits. But you have to be open to them. You know, the devil cannot just put a lying spirit on you without your giving him permission to. You have to open up that door. You have to be open to it. And if you're constantly feeding on stuff that's negative uh, and things that's going on, you're, well, you realize it's not, you're opening up a door. And next thing you know, he's going to be putting lying spirits on you. You know, you, 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 he says, don't give no foothold. And a lot of people are giving him footholds. And so he, that's why he's able to bring in the fear and the stress and, 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 and lying spirits on these people. You know, if you take notice, it's my understanding. I can't, I cannot say for myself because I don't, like I said, don't watch the news. But from people that are credible, people that I know say that the, pe the newscasters that they have watched that they admired and would listen to no longer listen to these people because they have taken on a whole different persona. When they're delivering the news, they, they say they're not even delivering it like they, they don't even talk the same way. Well, you know they're not talking the same way and they've taken a whole new personality in Basana. It's because the enemy is speaking through them. He's using their mouths to speak through them. But God has our mouths. And that's what I'm saying. We got more mouths than you think we have down here. And, but we've got to use them. 
And when this is over, we, we, need, to, we, just, uh, we need to not wait till it's over. We need to begin now. But especially when it's over, we, we need to start ga- ganging up and gathering up and, and, and just come against, come against it so it won't take place again. If we don't, it will. And who knows what will happen next time. But it's imperative as soldiers of God that you keep your armor on at all times. He is ferocious. And he takes no hostages. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 28, that he roams around like a roaring lion looking for those that he may devour. Don't be one of those that he devours. That, imp- that, that implies that he can't devour everybody. He says he's looking for those that he might devour, which means that he can't devour all of us. Only if you give him a foothold can he devour you. So keep that in mind. And brothers and sisters, we need to remember that Satan and his forces have already been defeated, as I said earlier, and disarmed by Jesus Christ himself, according to Colossians 2.15. Our Lord will give you courage when you need courage. He'll strengthen you when you need strength. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He will give us whatever we need. He says, I know what you need even before you ask. He says in Matthew, I know what you need before you even ask. I will give you what you need. And I just ask you to tell the Lord, talk to the Lord, tell him what you need, and then thank him for what he's already done. Be a thankful generation. Don't be just a beggar and an asker and never stop to give God thanks for what he's doing. You'll find out that he'll bless you a lot more when you start sharing what you have with others and being a blessing. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the devil. Just hold it up. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word and fighting words. This is God's anointing for an offensive approach to battle. Is wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In Psalms 44, 5, David said, Through you we will push down our enemies. Through your name we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies and have put to shame those who hated us. In God we boast all day long and praise your holy name. Hallelujah. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts in Zechariah 4, 6. And that, my brothers and sisters, is how we're going to win this battle Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, and that's true. That's how we're going to win uh, win our battles um, is by through praise. And as I said this morning, from our lips to God's ear, let what what's coming out of these, this mouth of ours, let these words be nothing but praise, 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 praise. You know, let's be like Jehoshaphat was. And another time I was teaching on Jehoshaphat, when he was surrounded by the enemy, we we're surrounded by the enemy. And, uh, and he prayed and, and he sought the Lord. And the Lord just took care of him. As a matter of fact, I, I didn't give Sister Nail all the information, but, you know, I was, uh, some of it, but I had, I was coming against this thing a week or so, about a week or so ago. And I, I had prayed, um, um, I didn't know what to do. Sometimes we have things to happen in our lives and we don't know what to do. 
So we, we seek the Lord. And so it hadn't been that long, really, since I told on Jehoshaphat and how the battle was not his. You know, the Lord told him that the battle was not his, but uh, that was not Jehoshaphat's, but his. And so he, he, sent an, he sent a prophet to tell Jehoshaphat this. And then Jehoshaphat got out on his knees and he began to pray. And, and so I had this situation to happen and I didn't know how to handle it. And so I said, Lord, I don't really know what to do. And, and, then, I happened, and then he brought back to my remembrance the, the prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed. And, and so I said, Lord, I just pray like Jehoshaphat prayed. You know, he called on you and he said, Lord, I don't know what to do here. I, I just don't know what to do. And, and so the Lord sent him a pro, anointed a prophet to tell him what to do. And what he told him to do was just uh, give him praise. He just began, you know, get your praise team together and just begin to praise the Lord. And, and, and as you praise the Lord, he says, the battle is not yours. He, won't, he says, you don't even have to fight in this battle. He says, it's not yours. And, and there's a lot of you out there today that's fighting battles that's not yours. God said the battle belongs to him, but we first have to engage him in the battle. He can't fight. The, he's not going to fight the battle unless we engage him in that. And we engage him in that by asking him and seeking him on what to do. Lord, I don't know what to do. And, and I, so I prayed the prayer and, I, and another one. And then I said, Lord, I said, you said to cast my care upon you because you care for me. And so I cast this, care upon, this, this, this situation here, I cast that one over on you. And I cast that one on you because there was two. I said, I cast them over on you. And I just thank you that now you're going to take care of it. Within that same day, the situation was conquered, taken care of, and I never had to lift a finger. I never had to speak a word to God be the glory. And why I did not have to, because I was fretting about it afterwards. I mean, I wasn't, I was, I believe God was going to take care of it, but I didn't know how. But there's nothing wrong in making plans and, and to do, you know, whatever, you know, you can set up your vow. You don't have to go fight, but you, you might, might plan. God never says anything about not making plans. You know, and I know David, you know, was writing down some things, you know, a defense or whatever, and we never had to use them. You know, you know, it's like Jehoshaphat, they got their, bat, they got their warriors and they got their weapons and everything, and they got ready, but they never had to, they never lifted one finger. All they had to do was praise the Lord and take it to God, ask Him, say, Lord, I don't know what to do, please help me. And there again, when you pray, always put God in remembrance of His Word. Pray, you know, if you don't know what to pray, pray what somebody else prayed that worked. I didn't know exactly how to handle that, but God will bring back to your remembrance. He brought that scripture back to my remembrance, and I said, I like that. You know, it, it's like the one that I told you not long ago, I think when I was ministering, that I was... Um, praying, you know, for a favor. And I said, Lord, I just thank you that when I prayed for this person that I knew that this person don't know you, but I know you. So as a favor to me, I'm asking you to bless them. So you're just giving God back his word as he tells us in Isaiah 43, 26, if you want to look it up. He says, put me in remembrance of my word. And it's not our words, it's God's word. God will honor his word. He'll back his word up. Okay, and Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you, Father, that we serve a true God, that you're God Almighty, that you love us with an unbelievable kind of love, Lord. 
And I thank you, Father, that we can do nothing that would even cause you to love us even more. But I thank you, Father. I thank you that you're in this with us. And you've said, Lord, that the battle is not ours, but the battle is yours. So, Father, I pray the day for all those that are here and all those that are listening online. I, I pray, Lord God, with everything in me, that they will not give a foothold. They will not continue to give a foothold to the enemy. But they will stand firm on your word, Lord, and they will continue to trust you, Lord. And when they don't know what to do, just that they will come to you and engage you in this conversation, in this fight. And I know, Father, that you will, you will give them something to stand on. You will give them a scripture. You will tell them what to do. And if they will follow your instructions, Lord, I know that they'll win their battles, regardless of what it is, whether it's sickness in their bodies or whether it's financial situation or whatever it is. If you will take it to the Lord and ask him, say, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to handle this sickness in my body. I don't know how to handle the finances that's not coming in. I don't know how to take care of these bills. But we serve a God that owns all the silver and all the gold. And he will help you in your finances. He has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bear your sickness and take every infirmity. So he's, he's ready and able to help us in any situation. There is nothing that we could dream of or even come up with that he does not already have a plan for, does not already know what to do. He just wants you to trust him and seek him and ask him and then trust him to do whatever has to be done. So Father, I thank you for the word that went out today. And I thank you, Father, we come against those lying spirits. We, we just rebuke them in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you said that you, that you will put, I pray, Lord God, that you will put bridles on their tongues that they will not be able to speak anything other than what you say, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'll just put a muzzle, a muzzle on their mouths, Lord, and stop them from speaking those lies, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you'll bring kingdom connections across the paths of those that are speaking these lies, Lord, that will witness to them of your goodness and re let them know that this is not of you, Lord, that this is not of you. And I pray, Lord, that they'll be gracious and accept what they're saying graciously. And believe your word, Lord. First in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.